would like to thank our amazing sponsors, Touring Plans Travel. Their destination specialists work with you to plan and book your trip. Whether you're traveling to a theme park, headed out on a cruise, or wanting to get away anywhere in the world, as experts in smart travel, their agents suggest the best itineraries and activities to fit your family's needs and handle all the reservations on your behalf. There is no cost to you or your family when using Touring Plans Travel Services, and you may even save some money if discounts become available after booking. So head over to touringplans.com travel and tell them Rope Drop Radio sent you. Now, on to the show. Helping you navigate the Disney parks. With the hope that it will be a source of joy and inspiration to all the world. You're listening to Rope Drop Radio. Welcome to another Rope Drop Radio. Derek and Doug talking all things Disney. And Doug, we have a really great guest on this week's episode. Yes. Yes, we do. So we are going to kind of get to it. But first, we got to give a shout out to a brand new Patreon, Stephen Treble. Thank you so much for joining the Rope Drop Radio community, getting the after show. And I believe he's all the way uh, across the pond, Doug. Yeah, it's exciting to see patrons from the, uh, yeah, across the pond, if you will. Other countries. UK. Yes, it's it's always funny when we look at other countries we listen to and where all the downloads come from. So it's amazing that people outside of you know anywhere listen to us. Period. Lots of UK, lots of Australia. The I think the next country is Germany, which makes sense because of the military presence. Of the, I, I I think that's just my brain tells me it's Americans living in Germany. Well, I don't know if, if you're guten tag. So uh, thank yeah, you. Yeah, if you're not an American living in Germany. If you're not an American listening to our show, let us know this week on social media or leave a review. And of course, yeah, leave a review and I'm going to read a review. You know who we've read reviews for that's not from America is uh, Ricardo. Uh, he listens to us to learn bad English. There you go. So, we are full yeah. of bad English. Yes. Yeah, so, all right. On to the Apple podcast review. This one is titled Practical Info to Maximize Your Disney Trip 5 Stars by Vespertine1228. Nailed it. Got it. Yeah, I'm guessing they have a December birthday. All right. This wonderful show is half of my Disney podcast, One Two Punch. Disney Dish is the best for history and gossip about the park operations. Rope Drop Radio is the best for thoughtful, in-depth, and on-the-ground travel advice from two dads with tons of experience. While I don't agree with everything they say, in parentheses here, I won't be waking up at 7 a.m. on vacation under any circumstance. I always love hearing about it. Keep up the great work. Oh, thank you. There's... Thank you for that five-star. Wow, what a perfect timed uh, yeah, review yeah, for this week's episode. Okay. Yeah, I wondered if you were going to do that. <laughs> there we go. Well, this is a great episode because today we're going to look back at the celebration that has been Walt Disney World's 50th and look forward to the Disney Company's 100th. To celebrate these milestones, we need the help of someone who is truly the master of touring plans, the author of the unofficial guide, the guy who dishes all things Disney, the other half of that awesome review. Welcome to the show. Joe Lentesta. Thanks, Derek. How's it going? Doing great. How are you guys doing over at the Disney Dish? Doing, uh, doing well. We, um, we, uh, we've recorded a whole bunch of uh, episodes. We've got uh, some new stuff coming out uh, that we'll talk about shortly. But uh, yeah, it's, um, it's going really, really well. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, thank you very much for joining us. And before we get to the talking about the 50th and the 100th, let's talk about what's new over at Touring Plans. So we've got a couple of things uh, going on. By the way, hello, Doug. Hello. Um, we just released updated uh, versions of our Turing Plan optimization software that uh, does two things. One is it now makes um, 
suggestions on which Genie Plus reservations would be most useful for your specific day in the park and the specific attractions that you have in your touring plan. Um, and then the other thing is, is once you get those, you can incorporate them into your plan and we'll um, work to make sure that you hit those reservation times appropriately. Oh, I like it. Getting We're the also, reservation times. That's key. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, so, yeah. So the, the big question is, is like, which reservation should I get to, um, to minimize my weight in line? And that depends on, you know, the day that you're visiting, the time that you're getting to the park and then the attractions in your touring plan, right? Because it's not a one size fits all thing. So, um, based on your specific information, we make suggestions uh, based on that. The, uh, the other cool thing that we're doing is we're rolling out a complete redesign of the website, um, which is super interesting. So that should be out by the time this podcast goes live. Oh, awesome. Oh. Well, go check it out, guys. Touringplans.com. Uh, if you want to get a quote, you know, slash travel, let them know Rope Drop Radio sent you. Uh, shameless plug right there. But yeah, we love touring plans and excited to check out the new website. As you mentioned, the travel agency there, Derek, they also had some news. They're now earmarked gold level and they're platinum with Universal. So that's exciting. That's right. The agency's done uh, done a fantastic job. We um, you know, we started the agency a couple of years ago, and now we are uh, top four in Florida for uh, for Disney sales, which is kind of interesting. Uh, that's a that is super rapid growth. So uh, credit yeah. to all of the agents that are uh, that are working on that. Yeah, it's really interesting. The uh, the other thing that I've I've heard is I I, I get uh, occasionally I'll get in emails from users who say things like you know I was talking to. Disney, uh, you know, Disney reservations directly. And they mentioned, you know, something about touring plans and they said, oh, we love that site. We check it all the time, which is <laughs> really, really funny to hear. But uh, yeah, anyway. Well, if they can't beat you, join you. Yes. They right. Love it. Yeah. Work together. But isn't that what Genie's supposed to do for them? Shouldn't they be pushing that? <laughs> uh, the Genie. All right. Well, let's look back at the 50th. I know, uh, Len, Doug, you were both there on the 50th, the day of, am I right? Yep. Yes. So let's look back on, uh, was it everything that you thought the day of and the, uh, I don't know how long celebration Disney had it going on for? Uh, I'm going to defer to Doug on that first question. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the, the day of was uh, definitely a, a miss. I mean, we were all there at like 5 a.m., they kept moving us towards the castle, thinking someone ha- something would happen, but they just opened the park like normal. Hi, it's Tuesday. I don't know what day of the week it was, but it literally could have been any Tuesday other than we got a poster when we left. And then we left, came back in, left, came back in. We just went in a circle, and we got I don't know how many posters, Derek. But you got me one. Like it's up here a dozen. Yep. We, we gave away Perfect. a few on the show. That was about the most exciting thing. Thing, other than falling along on all the things Lynn was eating in one day. That's right. I think that's the uh, that's the memorable thing. So, so just to put this into context, for major anniversaries like Walt Disney World's 50th, the Disney company starts planning those things many years in advance. So for the 50th, they started seven years ago planning what would happen. And that's kind of understandable because mm-hmm. when you think about things like developing a new attraction, the time from idea inception until the time you turn the key and open the doors is probably seven years at the Disney company, right? So it takes them that long to do major things, you know, minor things like, you know, food items and stuff like that. You're probably looking at maybe a year, 18 months of development in terms of cycles there, Um, you know, sometimes less. 
but they worked on this for a very long time. For me, and I think for a lot of people, the thing I'm going to take away from the 50th was that it was about as underwhelming an experience as a major corporation could do on a major anniversary like this. Like, I don't know how it could have been more meh, right? It's the right word, yeah. Yeah, I mean, remember when it started, the big thing was iridescent costumes for Mickey and Minnie? Like, do you remember that? Iridescence Mm -hmm. was a thing when they started. And granted, the pandemic, you know, had a lot to do with it. But, uh, you know, seven years, dude. They had seven years. You guys did not make me jealous that I missed it. I was really bummed beforehand. And then I was like, oh, okay, I didn't miss it. And then I went on Disney Plus Day. And I'm like, oh, here's where the true 50th was, was this day. Exactly, we're giving away hats. I was like, I had hats. I had buttons. I got the rope drop rise like over an hour before park even opened. I was like, oh, yeah, this is great. Yeah, I don't I don't remember anything from the 50th other than the lines and me running around with food. And the thing that the thing that kind of galled me with the food items was and again, this is a pandemic we're grading on a curve, right? Some of the items that they had touted as special for the 50th were literally the same things they were selling the week before with a little, you know, chocolate coin that says 50th anniversary on it. Come on, dude. That this is something that the interns would do in a weekend. This is not, uh, you know, something that a multi-billion-dollar company is supposed to be putting out for a major anniversary. So, that's that. I mean, the, and the other thing is, is if you look at the attractions and the things that we got, there are a couple of hits. There are a lot of misses, right? Because remember, um, during the fiftieth, the day of the fiftieth was the debut of Enchantment, Harmonious. And kite tails, and none of those things. Three for exist. three. Yeah, exactly. There yeah. you go. <laughs> I mean, it, depending on how you're looking at it, Derek. Yes, you three for three, right? Um, and you know, the story behind enchantment is kind of interesting because I believe, and I believe this in my heart. I'm not being facetious. That enchantment came about because remember, it was like it was a last minute announcement for the 50th. Mm-hmm. I, honest to God, think that enchantment happened because at the last minute someone in shows realized that the soundtrack for happily ever after and the soundtrack for harmonious were basically the same that there was like so much overlap between them like we oh we've got to do something completely different and that's why enchantment happened honest to god yeah it makes sense they only have like 10 songs to pick from at the company so yeah and they've like they one cd that they share amongst yeah. themselves yeah. right it's like <laughs> It's like, where where is the where's the CD of songs? Oh, it's in Monica's car. Let me go get it. Hold on. There you go. <laughs> like, that's it. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's true. And the other thing too is that neither of those major fireworks shows were received well by the public, right? Uh, Enchantment was the lowest rated of any Magic Kingdom fireworks show in the last twenty years. Harmonious was lower rated by all of the age groups that count. So, you know, young adult, teens, young adults in over 30s um, than any, even than Epcot Forever, which Oof. was kind of amazing. Yes. Uh, and that's the reason why those are going away. Yeah, those permanent barges did not last forever. Not, not, we're not permanent. Epcot Forever. There you go. Derek is the lone I liked harmonious fan. But I also like, and Jim talked about this on the show, you got to be in the right spot by some giant firework cannons to really make that show pop. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, if you, you know, if you want to, if you want to see it exactly the way it was intended, there are two places in all of World Showcase 
that that could happen. And one of them happens to be by one of the fireworks cannons. <laughs> so, right. you know. I actually so- heard that on your show and I was actually on my way to Epcot. I was on the airport listening and I was like, honey, we got to go to Epcot. So oh, we went over there and I got the spot and I was like, yep, Jim was right. This is the best spot. <laughs> it was funny because I was standing there one night watching it and they didn't know that the fireworks cannon was right there. And the first time the fireworks went off, I said fairly loudly, what what the heck was that? Only I didn't say heck. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, loud enough to where like the family next to me turned to me and was like, yeah, we were surprised too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So hopefully they keep that forever. Yeah. yeah that's the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Christina, my sister, was walking through Epcot um, uh, last week and noticed a bunch of Freddy Creek Fire Department people looking at those fireworks launch points and i think they're going to keep them i think they're pretty good like you know we know that epcot forever is coming back as the interim show for the next yes yeah it'll (laughs) it'll be it'll be about a year for the next thing i you know i but i think like the next big epcot show is definitely won't include the barges we know that the barges are going away um but it'll be more traditional fireworks show around the lagoon with vantage points you know pretty much everywhere you can see. So that'll be a good return. I think the big question for me there is uh, what are the fireworks going to be like and what's the music going to be like? Same songs. Yep. Just, just better I viewing don't, I don't think so. Like, no. I, I bet they I bet they go with a different composer and a different set of themes. I will be very surprised if they if they do Disney characters in there. I'll be That'll be one I'm willing to go to opening day. I, I would be surprised if somewhere in the music, though, we don't get some Lion King. They love them some Lion King doesn't matter what park you're in. I don't I, I don't know that we that we get theme park music uh, that we get movie music in Epcot. So my so, my my guess and I don't know yeah. anything about this is um they take composer uh Pinar Toprak who did all of the new background music for Epcot and ask her to do a score. Hmm. Like that's what I would do. Like that, that seems to make the most sense. Right, get her to do it because she did a great job on the current background music in Epcot. Mm-hmm. Let's see what she can do on a show. Like I think that's totally the way to go. That would fit perfectly, yeah. I think, too. Yeah, Makes and sense. I like that 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 new Epcot music, which we got for the I think it's part of the 50th. Like that's one of the two or three big things I'm going to take away from the 50th. We got some background music in Epcot that's very good. Mm-hmm. Right, that's that they that's had seven years to work on and plan for. You know, these things take time. Yeah. It's yeah. Fine. So um, what other good or positive takeaways from the 50th for you? All right. So it depends on how you want to count this. Um, do we count Remy's Ratatouille Adventure as a 50th thing? Because they delayed the opening yeah. of that by like six months so just to have something for the 50th. Yeah. I, I mean, it was sitting behind planners for a year. I don't know that you can count it. You know, okay. Uh, the good thing about this is every age group loves this attraction. The average rating for this, sorry, the minimum rating for this is 4.5 stars out of five from every age group that we survey. So, you know, uh, it's objectively a hit in Epcot. Um, the other thing we got during the 50th was Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind mm-hmm. um, at Epcot. And that is um, very highly rated by teens, young adults, and over 30s, giving it five stars. In fact, grade schoolers give it. 4.5 stars and seniors give it four stars. So again, very highly rated attraction. It's a it's a hit by any objective measure for Epcot. So Epcot's two for two. 
or two for three, you know, counting harmonious yeah. in attractions. Uh, that's about as good as it's going to get. That's a that's a that's a win for Epcot for the fiftieth. The other thing that I think Epcot got, so maybe Epcot was the big winner for the fiftieth. I agree. You guys were there for the opening night of Harmonious, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so Harmonious plays, right? They do the big finale. Everyone claps. Where I was standing at the end of Harmonious, when they started showing the beacons of magic on Spaceship Earth, everyone lost their minds. Yes. And every time I'm at Epcot at night, I look back at the beacons of magic for Spaceship Earth, and I think that may be the greatest thing <laughs> to come yeah, out of agreed. to come out of the, the 50. I mean, Guardians is great. Remy, Remy is good, right? Uh, yeah, those are solid attractions. Nothing against them. But in terms of like unexpected things that came out of nowhere that plussed up the park, I think it has to be Spaceship Earth Beacons of Magic. Like I, that, that has to be like the thing that we got that we didn't know we needed. That's it. That I like that they can change it up too, that they put yeah. something special on there for the arts festival. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've got you know Rainbow Connection. We've got Figment. They can do lots and lots of stuff yeah. there. That's something where if that's, you know, that should be here 20 years from now, maybe upgraded technology. But that's that's really good. The other one that I really liked was the Beacons of Magic over at Hollywood Tower Hotel in the studios with the amount of detail that they put on that. It's really, really incredible. There are they project inside some of the windows on the hotel so you can see people dancing and moving around inside the rooms, you know, the shadows of them and stuff. Mm -hmm. But somebody put a lot of thought into that, too. I think those were a. Those two beacons of magic were really, really well done. I absolutely agree. So what are we uh, looking forward to with the 100th? And by the way, how's it going from 50 to 100? 50 to 100 a yes. year? That doesn't make sense <laughs> at all. Long celebration. It's the, it's the 100th anniversary of, the, of Disney as a company, right? Is that yep. it? Yep. 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 Yeah. Or it was the 50th anniversary of Walt Disney World. Yeah. They got to find ways to celebrate and drag it out, a.k.a. make money. The funny thing was like around about 10, 10 or 15 years ago, there was a movement within the PR group to start moving away from commemorating these anniversaries because the fear was that kids didn't want to be associated with things that were 50 or 100 years old. Oh. And then someone realized like nostalgia sells, at least for now. Yeah. And so then the gain that they got from the people who – had been to those parks earlier was greater than, you know, any money that they could get from kids. So, uh, yes, they went really big on anniversaries again. But there was a period where it was actively debated whether we should even talk about things like the company being 100 years old. So I think the big thing that we're getting in the 100th celebration is over in Disneyland, and it's the uh, Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, which is coming to Toontown and should open this week, right? Should, yeah, yeah soon. should be. Yeah, very yeah, the yeah. fact that it took wow. this long to get over there is crazy to me. But same ride technology, you think? Ah, Disney just takes their time with attractions. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's space considerations there and stuff like that. But yeah, that's a um, again great ride that opened right before the pandemic, like a couple of weeks before the pandemic started. So I don't think it got necessarily the publicity push that it should have. But that's that's probably the only attraction in the studios where I will go on it every time I'm in the park. And you get kind of a different view and a different story right. depending on where you go. That's what I've started yeah. to really love with that one is I look around and, and follow different characters. Yeah, you know the uh, there are three main storylines in this one, right? Yep. So there's the Mickey and Minnie storyline. Then there's the B story, which involves Pluto, the basket of sausages. And then the third story is supposedly there's a crab in every scene. Oh, I'm going to have to look for him. 
Okay, so I've seen him in the very first scene. Like, you know when you're going through and you've got the mountains sort of on your right and you can see Mickey and Minnie driving through? The crab is definitely in that scene. And the crab is definitely in the underwater submarine scene. But I, and I think it's in the, uh, I think I've seen it in the Western scene as well. But there's a few places where I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, I haven't found the crab in every scene, probably because I'm too focused on making the trumpet squid a thing, um, much to <laughs> the dismay of Alex Sinek. I'm going to make it a thing eventually. A thing. People keep tagging <laughs> us on Twitter whenever they see it. Hashtag, Hashtag trumpet squid. And I think that's the... Uh, that's the the big thing that we're getting out of the uh, the hundred years, right? Because I don't think Tiana's bioadventure is going to be open during the hundred years, unless they extend it, you know, eighteen months or whatever. Have they set an end date to the hundred years? Um, you know, open ended. No, but you think it'll go eighteen months? I think it'll probably go a year, and they'll do something else. Yeah. So we did the fiftieth for eighteen months, right? Is that yeah. roughly? So. Yeah, it could go a year, it could go eighteen, could be three years. I mean, <laughs> time is measured different. Yeah, I don't. I don't know that they're good. That this is. This might be a twelve, a twelve months and then done thing. Mm-hmm. There's um, there's a lot of questions about what comes after this, and I think uh, Disney Disney knows that too. You guys saw um, Bob Iger walking through Walt yep. Disney World yep. last week. Yeah, uh, you know, I've heard that the capex budget for developing new things in the parks has increased significantly in the last couple of months. Um, so I would not be surprised if we heard of m- several new attractions coming to the domestic parks this year, this year, like, and then that's what should be this year. Um, I think we'll see a mix of like, here are some things we can do that'll open in 2025 and then 26, 27. Well, I mean that all the D 23 announcements were pretty much a huge swing and a miss. So hopefully they announce something here big soon. Yeah. It's you know for them it comes down to uh, to funding and uh, and ideas. The um the one thing I've heard that was that keep they keep coming back to, and rejecting is, a drone show in the United States like the one they've got in Disneyland Paris. And I've talked to Imagineers who are, who have looked at this idea, multiple times, and they said, the, every meeting, ends with this discussion. It's the lawyer saying, tell me what you're going to tell a family when a drone falls on their kid. Because it will happen. Like, what do we do then, right? Uh, and there's no answer for that. As someone who runs a drone company, I deal with that question all the time. But still, I, this is—you're talking my dream job. When Disney hires an yeah. Imagineer, I know they're listening to the show. I'm an FAA licensed drone pilot. Hire me, guys. Or I'll make sure nothing happens. Yeah, it's uh, it's super difficult, right? Because yep. even if you even if you make a like I've seen the I've seen the diagrams where they come up with flight paths that don't go directly over guest paths. Mm-hmm. Like there's for Epcot, there are ways that you can bring drones in from offsite and close off, you know, very small sections of the park to where uh, a drone would never be directly above a guest. The issue is, is um, you know, what if the GPS module goes wrong? Mm-hmm. What if you know the thing spins out of control? Then what? Right? Um, and that's the thing that they don't have an answer for yet. And in France, they just don't care. Well, they have different. Yeah, you know, France, <laughs> Europe has a different. Just yeah, has a different. Like I've been, I've been on on you know roller coaster rides in Europe, where there's a sign that says if you know don't stand up because if you stand up you'll die. And the litigation would go like this: we there was a sign that said not to stand up. He stood up. He died. It's his own damn fault, right? And that yep. that would be it, yeah, right? There you go. So in the United yep. States, you know, there would be a jury trial, and you don't know how that would go. 
right? In Europe, you'd be like, we, we had a sign. <laughs> like, yeah. And then you need to know the story behind the sign. Like, I want to know yeah. the details. Why yeah, did we there, need that sign? Like, there was a, there was, I was in a theme park in England one time, and it was, um, it was, it's Alton Park, uh, Alton Towers. Uh, and it's on the grounds along with a um, uh, castle ruins. And they let you walk into the castle. But there's a sign that says, hey, occasionally um, bricks will fall from the 40-foot ceiling. Watch out for them. You know, and if one falls and hits you in the head and you die, right, they will tell your family there was a sign that that he read before he went into the castle that said this could happen, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, they said four, basically, right? It's (laughs) golf. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure Disney legal has a field day with Imagineers and just being the no guys over and over. So hopefully, imagine. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, new Bob, new old Bob, can come in and help uh, stir up some creativity with that. You know, the fact the fact that he was actually in the parks um, was was a good sign. And like I said, I would be I'll be surprised if they don't uh, announce something because everybody knows that the way you drive attendance in theme parks is by opening new attractions. That is like rule number one. Yep. It's not food. It's not even necessarily prices. You know, prices will get some people, you know, in, but um, a new attraction drives attendance for a year. And that's that's how you get people. So we'll yeah, see. We'll see what It'll be interesting when Tron finally opens up uh, and, and how much that yeah. touring plans changes and, and everything with that. Yeah, especially with Splash being, being closed, it's going to pull everything to the east One side, side of, of the park. park. Yeah, yeah, they'll they'll need to do some stuff, um, you know, to to balance it up. By the way, did you guys uh, notice the amazing coincidence that was um, when Splash Mountain closed, three character greetings opened that had almost exactly the same combined hourly capacity as Splash. <laughs> No. God, what a coincidence. Wow. It's amazing how these things work out. <laughs> Almost like they know what they're doing sometimes. <laughs> oh, no, I'm still shocked people are trying to sell Splash Mountain water on eBay right now. So I'm I'm still dealing with that, that people will buy anything. I want to email them, the people on eBay, and be like, can I get a certificate of authenticity? Yeah, can I see you actually dipping the jar in there? Yeah, do you have a the video of yourself scooping out the water? Because I, I might need that, you know? <laughs> Just prove later on. <laughs> That'll be coming to a D23 booth in the future. So uh, there you go. Derek, you had a question about an attraction. Go. I do. So uh, I wondered, Len, I love rumors. Disney rumors are my favorite. And Aerosmith Rock and Roller Coaster is going down. And the rumor I've heard is that it is not going to reopen as Aerosmith and that they're secretly redoing it. And I've heard like all the bands. Uh, I don't know if you've heard this rumor, but the one that I hear that nostalgia that I would love to see happen and, you know, be prof- say it on the air and it's going to happen is Powerline comes on and is the new Aerosmith. So have you heard anything about where that attraction's going during the refurb? Um, so yesterday I spoke with the guy that designed Rock and Roller Coaster. Changing bands is not something that anyone has heard. Oh, man. Okay. For, for right. a couple of reasons. One is um, every bad thing that we could hear about Aerosmith, we've probably heard of. Like, we all know they did drugs in the 70s. We all know, you know, about the various addictions and stuff like that. And they're relatively stable right now. Um, whereas if you bring a new band in, you don't know what you're getting in the future, right? Um, number two, I think, you know, Aerosmith at this point is relatively inexpensive compared to compared to new bands. Yeah. yeah. They are on a year-to-year contract, um, from what I understand, or, you know, every couple of years. Um, so that could change, but, uh, I don't think, you know, if Disney's going to change it, they're going to, you know, my sense is they would do something like, uh, what they did in Disneyland Paris, make it a Marvel attraction. 
not rock sense. and roller coasters. But that would take more time and um, would be more involved. So, oh, yeah, I don't uh, think. Rumor may be busted. Yeah. I mean, I've heard everything from like Taylor Swift to, you know, whatever. The other thing is, too, the name rock and roller coaster is super valuable. Like mm-hmm. Disney went to great lengths to get that name, which was actually a, the name of an attraction at Opryland, believe it or not. Um, but when Opryland closed, um, Disney negotiated the, the naming rights for rock and roller coaster uh, as, as a sale. So they, it has to be rock and roll. Okay. My kids think Aerosmith was made up by the Imagineers, like a fake band. And so on the way out of Hollywood Studios in the Skyliner, we played nothing but Aerosmith songs to help them understand uh, history. And then I felt you know, terrible that, as a that's parent. That's just part of educating kids, yeah. Derek. I mean, that's, you know, you've, they, they need a grounding in the classics, right? And, yeah. and Aerosmith is the, is the classics, yeah. So like if you're if your kids, I mean for for you know people our age, if your kids can't sing, you know, Dream On or Stairway to Heaven, right? I'm not saying you failed as a parent. I'm saying that there's work to be done. Good and I and I and I really believe that, right? Like I mean there's certain like my you know, my mom when my parents were growing up, like we heard, you know, Sam Cooke and stuff like that. And if you can't sing those songs, we've lost something as a culture. So one other thing, <laughs> culture-wise, like that's that's not a good segue. I don't know how to segue to this. One other thing, opening they uh, just announced an opening date is the barbecue place. Finally, storyline. Yes. Like, yeah. Yeah. Can we count that as one of the hundredth things? Uh, March twenty-third, right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, sneaking in under the wire. I've had a I've I've seen walkthrough video of the inside of it. Have you guys seen it? I'll send it I'm to you. Not. No. Not... Yeah. It's um. You know, my I looked at the video and it was my response was this answers the question. What if we served food in the Toy Story Mania queue? Like that's <laughs> OK. That's okay. What, that's what, that's like that. That that was the that was the hypothesis that that generated uh, uh, Roundup Rodeo Barbecue, whatever the, the complete name is. Right. Like what if we served what if we served meat in the Toy Story Mania queue? And that's how the restaurant was born. It's uh, it's exactly like the inside of the Toy Story Mania queue with tables. Very colorful, lots of primary colors. I can't imagine how loud it's going to be. Oh yeah. Um, but, but I'm interested to see. You know, the, for yeah. me, like Disney's Disney does decent barbecue, right? Polite Pig, very good. Wrigley mm-hmm. Smokehouse, name aside, is not bad for theme park food, right? We'll see how they they do here. Well, it's definitely needed. Uh, yeah. I can't believe yeah. it took them that long to get that establishment built and going it's crazy. It's all indoors. Just where are all these construction workers going that Disney should have been hiring? I, they're going to Epic Universe. I saw that bio reconstruct yeah, picture. Yeah. Holy yeah. crap. I did not realize they were so far ahead. And so I'm pretty sure Universal's just grabbing all Disney's guys and taking them, I guess. Well, that was that was one of the problems with stopping construction during the initial part of the pandemic in 2020. Is you know they they went to other projects and then getting people back has been the continual problem, right? Yep. I mean, and, and it's and it's still true today when they laid off, you know, all those cast members during the pandemic, and that included characters, right? So you know, there's there's literally one Tinkerbell in the Magic Kingdom, which is why the Tink meet and greet hasn't come back. That person has to be available for the cavalcades and the parades, and they've only been able to find one. I mean, but that's but that's a decision, right? It was yep. a decision to do right. those things. So, yeah, but I'm interested to see the the the, the barbecue because the studios needs more places to eat, 
any any a sit down is is a good addition. I hope they have a takeout window. I don't I don't think they will, but it'd be great to see a takeout window as well. Because really, if you think about Toy Story Land, there's nowhere reliable with enough space nearby that serves you know consistently good food. I guess the closest would be ABC Commissary. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to get into you're not getting into the Docking Bay Seven. It's just too small. The fact that the studios doesn't have a Star Wars character meal just still blows my mind. It was supposed to be part of that sit down. Was supposed to be part of uh, Phase One. We'll see what happens. Yeah. They just didn't want to make the money back. It's insane money on the investment. Yeah, That's that it. would be booked solid. Let's bring yeah, Grogu to Disneyland, not Disney World, for a special sit down meal that would be sold out six months in advance constantly. Could you imagine? Oh, I'm. Uh, I, need, I need to tell you guys this. I met the uh, I met the guys that designed the uh, the Grogu character. The um, you know, uh, Disney during D23 did the uh, the Grogu character in the uh, bassinet thing. Yep. So the guys that did that are Gardner Holt, and I met them at IAPA, and they invited me out for a factory tour, and so I'm going next month. Cool. I saw that video. That is incredible. Uh, what yeah. amazing tech animatronics that they can do. Yeah, it's uh, they do some incredible stuff. There's a um, there's a story that I can't tell on the air about um, a custom piece of work that they did for a celebrity Ooh. i'll tell you guys after after right. the uh after the show's over. Go. Did, did they do the baby groot meet and greet thing? i don't know it's a good question i don't know i'll ask uh, i'll ask Gardner when we go out because yeah, that was a like was an after awesome doing greet. that meet and greet years ago it blows my mind we haven't had the you know mandalorian and baby yoda meet and greet you know it'd be a very similar sort of setup that's a good question. I don't know. I know these guys work on um, animatronics for you know lots of theme parks, not just Disney. So they do Universal stuff as well. Um, you know, I would imagine that every major park that has animatronics goes to Garner Holt for uh, for their technology. For me, the highlight of the fiftieth was seeing one of the first shows of Kite Tales and wondering yeah. how did they approve. We talked about the lawyers earlier approving yeah. things and watching the jet skis and all the waves, and I just kept thinking. How did this get approved? <laughs> and it lasted way longer. OSHA must not never came and watched. That was my a person my my takeaway yeah. from. It was like, yeah, they're moving so slow. What could possibly go wrong? Yeah. We talked to the uh, I talked to the the guys that developed the kites for the kite tails as well, yeah. and uh, and I was like, you know, this was probably like the the most celebrated thing from a fan perspective out of the fiftieth, and like you know, guys doing anything with Disney, you know, going forward. And they're like, you know, they always, you know, they bounce ideas off of us all the time, but nothing yet. So that's good. I think they're based in Florida as well. As long as they come to Epcot forever, kites need to come back. So that's my only request for the forever. The interesting thing is they, uh, they said that when Kite Tales ended, Disney asked for, um, if, I, if I remember the story correctly, Disney asked for all of the prototypes and destroyed all of the kites. Oh. Like physically, physically broke them up, you know, tore them up. Um, so that they wouldn't be um, wouldn't be replicated or sold or anything like that. Well, I mean, my parents live on a lake. I can get a jet ski and yeah, we can figure show, right? Yeah, like <laughs> that was the thing about kite tails. Like, I could put together something similar, but without an IP in my parents' backyard. <laughs> that was this. The Walt Disney Company did not shoot high here. Yeah, tails with kites. <laughs> Whenever Boom. kite tails was trending on Twitter, I was so excited to see what was gonna who, what animal was gonna be in a tree, what cast member was getting yeah. knocked down. A... I think that was that was one of the um, the the more endearing parts of the show was to see them uh, see the kites at the end when they had to crash land. 
no yeah. one no one planned that out. No, uh, it was fine. Again, it was it was charming, but it was not a major attraction uh, that is befitting a multi-billion-dollar company for its 50th anniversary. No, that's that's the type of gift you show up for your 50th anniversary. You're getting divorced. <laughs> <laughs> there will be no 51st. All right, good. My uh, my 13th year, my 13th anniversary is coming up in a couple of days, so I know what not to get my wife. Got it. Thanks, guys. There you go. Uh, yeah, smart. Yeah, you you know you know where the bar is, right? Okay. Yes, the bar is still low. Thanks, Disney. <laughs> still low, still low. So uh, as we wrap up, Len, uh, why don't you take a minute? Let us know more about touring plans, what booking discounts, things that are happening right now, and uh, drive people your way. Awesome. Yeah. So we've got um, a couple of interesting Disney uh, sales out right or discounts out right now for uh, summer travel, um, including pretty steep discounts on packages and rooms. And you can go to touringplans.com/travel to get a quote and see uh, see what fits your budget and schedule. And uh, you're in the parks quite a bit. And then I hear Hank Lonely is going to be making an appearance on the Star Cruiser coming up. That's right. I've got a um, – uh, Jim Hill and I are doing a, uh, a Star Cruiser date. It's uh, March 30th to April 1st, 2023. Uh, I'm going as Hank Lonely. There's uh, We have about, I think, 25 cabins booked. On this thing, so we have a significant number of people on the Star Cruiser who will be part of our little group. I, uh, I'm hoping that um, so many of our group ask the cruise director whether the Hank Lonely epic film Space Robots in Outer Space will be shown. That it starts to become a running joke. That's my goal for this. I, uh, for this. So when Doug and I are in the Star Cruiser again, May 30th, or do we board May yeah, 31st? 30, 31st. Uh, with some of our listeners, we are going to make sure that we ask about yeah. Hank Lonely. We're going to do that. Ask, the, uh, ask yes. the cruise director if they're showing the nine-part epic saga Space Robots in Outer Space. Perfect. It. There you go. Well, yeah. thank you so much, Len, for being on this week's episode of Rope Drop Radio. And definitely, listeners, if you want to get a quote and book a trip, head over to touringplans.com slash travel. Let them know Rope Drop Radio sent you and uh, make a trip to the 100th anniversary of Disney, uh, however long this thing is going. And then be sure to leave a review so Doug can butcher your name online. Mm -hmm. And uh, thank you, Patreons, for supporting the show. And if you want to help that, go into the show, click the link, and we'll be doing a special after show here after this. So for Doug and Len, I'm Derek. You've been listening to Rope Drop Radio.